Welcome to Bible Near You, a Bible study program that seeks to shed some light on the Bible and aims to drive the shade of ignorance from the mind of the people across the world. The program comes to you every Wednesday at BibleNearYou.co.za at 1600 South African Standard Time. We are also available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and other podcasting platforms. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bible Near You. If you have any questions concerning the content of our show, you can email us at question at biblenearyou.co.za. Now we join our host and teacher, Lungisa Jostri. Hello, hello, my dear friends. Welcome to Bible Near You. Thank you very much for joining us again on this very informative Bible study podcast. We are on episode number 12 today. We've done 11 books, sorry, 10 books altogether. Today we're doing the 11th book. So we started with the five books of the law and we've done uh, five books, five books of uh, history. We are starting the sixth one, which is First Kings. I just want to say thank you very much to all my brothers and sisters that are supporting Bible Near You. Thank you so much to Brother Zakes. Thank you very much for your encouragement and your support. Thank you so much. Um, I want to say thank you also to all those who joined us on our live session when we were doing Second uh, uh, Samuel. I want to say thank you for taking your time and joining us live and your comments as well. Thank you so much. So I just want to uh, say a big, big, big thank you. So I don't want to waste uh, any more time. We're not going to be long today, uh, but we're just going to go through First uh, Kings. I think much will be dealt with in the next session when we're doing Second Kings. And I will tell you why is that. So our journey continues and there's no turning back. We're going through the Old Testament books, one book at uh, in each week, one book in each week. And it gives me pleasure to read those books. And, um, and uh, this time when I'm reading, I'm not just reading for marks or for diploma or to impress some uh, lecturer, but I am reading this to bring new information to you or to bring back, to bring back to memory those things which you may have read uh, but forgotten. So reading Bible books will set every misunderstanding straight. This is, now I'm referring to a personal study of the Bible. When you read the Bible and you study the Bible, it will set straight a lot of misunderstanding. If we read the Bible with a mind that is willing to learn and approach it without any preconceived ideas, we are bound to benefit from it. But if we come with already preconceived notions and um, we come to the Bible, there are much, there's a lot of chance that we could find ourselves being deceived or we could deceive ourselves uh, in the process. So it's very crucial that we 
we approach the Bible with a with an with a mind that says, okay, I understand there are things I know about the Bible or about this particular chapter or about this book, but let me set them aside because our mind have a way of ignoring things and um, pay attention to stuff that we repeat over and over again. So. When you repeat something over and over again, it's easier to remember, and uh, it's easier also to presuppose. Um, when, when, for example, it's easy to fool people um, if you use an illusion of something they are familiar with. For example, if uh, if I put a container uh, of sugar, of um, a container that normally has sugar in it, and I put salt there. Now salt looks like sugar, right? And I put a teaspoon there, and I put it on the table next to a cup of tea. People will not first check if it's actually sugar. They will just dip the teaspoon and put it into the cup, pour water, and mix everything there. And when they start tasting, they discover, oh, we've just made a terrible mistake. That was not sugar. That was, in fact, salt. So the mind sees the container, sees the tea or the coffee and the and the hot water and the and the cup or the mug, and then it assumes it presupposes that that is sugar. That white stuff in that container is sugar. So just naturally pours it into uh, the container. So. It's like that with with the Bible. My point is, if you've been taught a lot of things with regards to the Bible or regarding God, you are bound to look at the at the Bible with those ideas that have been planted in your mind. For example, if uh, you've been taught that you are a God and you can command things and bring them into existence, or you can create with your tongue. Most verses, you will look at them in that light. You will always look and see people commanding things, declaring and decreeing and claiming stuff, even though they're not actually doing that. But because you've taken the Bible in light of the preconceived notions that you have, then you are you make the terrible mistake of thinking that the Bible has such a doctrine that we can create with our tongues. Now let's look. At this, if you study the Bible, this is just a, a brief uh, guide. If you study the Bible, it is very good to ask questions. It's good to ask questions. I encourage you to ask questions. It's very important. Ask as many questions as you may want to, and write down those questions. If you find something that you don't understand, and you read in the Bible, and you find something that you don't understand, I encourage you to write it down and then read it again. So, if it's a verse you don't understand, go to that verse, um, to the passage where the verse is found. Read it. Read the whole chapter. Read the whole chapter. Try to see what this verse is saying. If that even more difficult, expand your reading and your search. Uh, read the chapter before and the chapter after. Uh, read the whole book if uh, if you have time to do so. And I, I think you should have time to do so. So now the thing is, 
As you do that, as you study the Bible, you'll understand that studying the Bible is not a passive undertaking. That means it's not something that we just do naturally. It is something that we have to invest a lot of energy and um, both mental energy and physical energy. It gets tired. It drains you. But we need to invest ourselves in the study of the Bible. We need to give ourselves to the studying of the scriptures. So if we study the Bible and we are honest in studying the Bible, we don't come with our preconceived notions to it, those who criticize us will not be able to sway our hearts away from believing the content of the Bible. And uh, it pres- I mean, and it will be. We will be able to answer or present answers to those who are criticizing it and those who are bringing those difficult questions to us. We will have answers to those questions if we study the Bible honestly and we commit to memory what we learn from it. So now we come to this book of First Kings. First Kings. Uh, the title is very clear. It's First Kings or the Book of Kings. So the Book of oh, is is called First Kings, and in Hebrew is called Sefer. It's called Sefer Malkim. It means the Book of Kings, <laughs> right? It gives such. It is given such a name apparently because it documents the history uh, of the kings. So their rise and their fall. It documents the rise and the fall of the kings of Israel and and the splitting of the kingdom of Israel into two. Originally, first and second kings were one book. And uh, just like in, in Samuel, in fact, I've, I've read, I think it was Wikipedia who presented that information. I said that first and second king, first and second Samuel were actually one book. They were one book. In fact, uh, this book of Kings here uh, is called the third book of Kings. That's an alternative name. While first and second Samuel are called the first and second book of Kings. So they were separated by the translators of the Hebrew Bible into the Greek New Testament, sorry, Old Testament, Greek uh, Old Testament, which was called Septuagint. So when that happened, when they translated that around 300 BC, so they the scrolls could not fit well, uh, so they had to divide the book into four sections, uh, the Book of Kings. So it documents the lives of the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. If you hear any strange noise, uh, it's because it is raining outside and our roof is corrugated iron. The author and the date. The author of this book is unknown. We don't know who wrote this book. There's strong speculation that Jeremiah wrote it. However, many are abandoning that view. Many are starting to disbelieve that Jeremiah could have written this book. So whoever the author was, he was someone who knew the book of Deuteronomy and who understood how how the how was the application and the cultural behavior of the people of Israel and uh, this person when he compiled the information in writing this book he gives us the sources from which he got his information so this author he quoted from various uh, from various writings and for example in chapter 11 verse 41 he says 
he quoted from the book of Acts of Solomon. So if you want the full uh, details of the lives of Solomon, you can go to the book of the Acts of Solomon. And then also he tells us uh, about uh, in, in verse uh, 14, chapter 14, verse 19, it tells us about the book of the Chronicles of the King of Israel. And in chapter 14, verse 29, he tells us about the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah. So he tells us that more information can be found there. It means whatever is written here, he has sourced it from those writings. So he must not have been the author who lived among the days of these kings. I mean, it's 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 not possible because the the book of Kings, first and second Kings, the history they 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 present to us spans for about four hundred and twenty years, give or take a few decades. Now, the message of the book of Kings. The book of Kings gives us the history of the king. Of Israel it gives us the history of the kings of Israel we open up with the details um, of the final days of King David's and Adonijah's failed attempt to take the kingdom and then we read of Solomon being established as the king over Israel and is taking over from David his father when David had died so looking at chapter 3 to chapter 11 we see Solomon in his glory the glory of, of Solomon's kingdom which was famed even to Africa in the land called Sheba. And uh, the queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon. Um, Sheba or the queen of Ethiopia. So we see this happening in, in, the, in, in Israel that Solomon's kingdom was so famous that even the Africans, they heard of it. The great dignitaries, they came to visit him from Africa. So... In chapter 11, we hear a sad part of Solomon's life in that because he had so many wives, he drifted away from God. He turned away from God. He sinned and served other gods. For this reason, the kingdom of Israel was to be divided. And when he, Solomon had died, Rehoboam, his son, took over and the kingdom under him uh, was reduced and then the greater part was given to Jeroboam. Now, if you read the details surrounding this, this split in chapter 12, you find that Jeroboam, people came to him. Sorry, uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, they he received the people who came to complain to him. He said that your father had oppressed us. Indeed, Solomon did oppress the people in his fallen uh, days when he started serving other gods and being influenced by these wicked pagan women that he married. He started oppressing Israel. Israelites were not happy under Solomon's rule. And so they came to complain and said, your father was, was heavy upon us. Would you reduce our burdens? So he said, come back after three days, I'll give you an answer. Then he goes and consult his advisors, the older man. And the man said, look, if you do what the people want, there will be one heart with you. They will serve you till they die. But then he, he did not regard that advice from the elders. He went and talked to the younger man. You know, young people can, can really deceive you because they don't have experience. They don't understand things. They are short-sighted in, in a way. So he went to the, his peers and this peer said, no, just go tell these people that your, your index finger, your, your little finger, is it, is it 
Yeah, your little finger will be heavier than Solomon's arm. So it means that uh, it says, Yo, my father, he chastises you with uh, whips. I would chastise you with scorpions. So basically what he was saying is that what you're requesting, you're not going to get. I'm going to be more difficult than my father. You think my father was terrible and worse? You think he was hard on you? I'm going to be even harder than you ever. You've never experienced hardship, believe me. So people decided and said, what have we to do with Solom- with Jeroboam? What have we to do with the house of David? No, we are not going to serve them. So they found the king and Jeroboam was the king. So the kingdom was divided. Turns out Jeroboam was a wicked man. He said, you know what, if people go to the first, uh, you know, the fists that are in the book of uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, those the Israel is supposed to observe. He said, if, if people move away from his side of the kingdom and they go to Judah where the temple is, they might end up serving uh, the king of, of Judah and, and depart from him and reject him as king. So he made idols and he said to the people of Israel, Israel, behold, your gods which brought you out of the land of Egypt which was a wicked thing that he did. He was so wicked that he couldn't even heed the warnings that were brought to him by the men of God who came from Judah in chapter 13, whose life also ended in a very, very sad way. But he didn't heed the warnings which that man brought to him. And eventually, uh, Rehoboam had to die at some point. And the rest of the kings that followed after Rehoboam, uh, sorry, Jeroboam, after Jeroboam, the king of Israel, all the kings that came after him were just wicked. All of them, they walked after his wicked ways. And so when we come to the book of Kings, it ends, the ending of the book of Kings, it ends with the death of Ahab, who was one of the wicked men, who was one of very wicked men, and the prophet of the days uh, of Ahab, the main, the main prophet that was prophesying those days, who was a notable man, was Elijah. And we know how Elijah turned the hearts of the people back to God, and uh, he slew the prophets of Baal and the prophets of, of uh, Ashtaroth, and um, he challenged them at the duel. He said, okay, come here. We are going to make offerings. We are going to decide now who is God. So you bring us two bulls. Bring us two bulls. You prepare one bull and I'll prepare one bull. And um, we will offer, give offerings to the gods. The only thing is we won't put fire. The God must light his own fire. And so whoever will light his own fire, he's the true God. And so um, Baal failed and um, Asherod failed. All 850 prophets that were praying there, their prayer and their sacrifices were meaningless because their God did not answer. But Elijah prayed a short prayer and God brought down fire. So we know that story also brought the, uh, the rain. He also uh, provided a woman who was um, having a small jar of oil and a small portion of meal. And uh, he came to her house and said, um, give me something to drink and, and bring me something to eat too. And the woman said, look, I'm picking up uh, sticks here so I can go and cook because we, we've got very little left. And if we eat today, it will finish and then we'll die with my son. And, and Elijah said, no, make for me first because God says until the rain comes, that little jar of oil and that meal will not fail. And God fed Elijah and that woman 
for so many months until the rain had come. We see also Elijah raising a man from a child of, 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 from the dead, the son of that woman in whose house uh, he lodged and ate. So we see that um, when, you know, the, when the book ends, Ahab dies and, Amah, and Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, takes over the kingdom of Israel. And he also was a wicked man. He was a wicked man, and we will see that as we open the first chapter of Second Kings. So we're going to stop here today. We are going to go extensively uh, to um, next week, next week, Lord willing, and go deeper into the study of the book of Second Kings. And we will couple together with First Kings, so we'll make it like a full study because uh, first and second Kings are actually one book. So yeah, so I'm going to leave it here, my dear friends. I just want to remind you that we have our social media presence in Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at Bible near you at Bible near you. You can follow us there. Um, we, nobody follows us on Twitter. Sadly, nobody is following us on Twitter. Uh, please be the first follower on Twitter and uh, we'll appreciate that. So we have um, an email if you have questions uh, regarding uh, supporting Bible near you, if you wish, even though financially, but we don't require it. But if you say, you know, I'm moved in my heart to do so, we will not stop you. Uh, just send us an email at info, sorry, info at biblenearyou.co.za and also uh, if you have any question regarding what we are studying today or which we studied before anything that pertains to the content of our show we are you can send an, an, an email to a question at biblenearyou.co.za well my dear friends my name is Lungusa Jostri this has been Bible Near You episode number 12 you have a fantastic week goodbye goodbye